the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. I know a place where we can go. This is Crosswalk Colorado Springs, a local community faith program from 100.7. The Word. Welcome to Crosswalk Colorado Springs. Thanks so much for listening. Hope that you're doing great on this Wednesday afternoon. Just beautiful weather that we've been having Feels good. Actually, I had to put the air conditioning on in the car, so spring is here for sure. I have Tim McConnell with me today. He's my guest. He's the senior pastor of First Pres uh, downtown. So, Tim, welcome to the program. Eric, thanks for having me, and thanks for keeping this conversation going. Just to encourage believers in, in this week after Easter, and um, I just appreciate you inviting me to be a part of it. Yeah, thanks for coming, especially after a busy weekend. So, how was your Easter celebration? Uh, Easter was huge. Um you know, we uh, we are one of I, I have friends that you know the the holidays like Easter and Christmas. Their church actually goes a little smaller because a lot of people um, go away uh, to go be with family or to go travel. And um, we've been blessed with a church that I think, for as long as can be remembered, um, has been the Lord has used on Easter and Christmas to mm. sort of um, swell up a little bit. And yeah, we were all you know swollen up with people and. Mm. Um, just uh, felt the spirit really moving, and um, and again, we do a six thirty outside service. Okay, uh, downtown. Yeah, and um, so Colorado, you never know how that's going to go. Yeah, and uh, especially during COVID, when we needed it to be awesome and we needed it to be warm, we we just felt so blessed that we had some. I think last year was record breaking the heat on on Easter Sunday. Perfect, and it was beautiful. Yeah, this, this year was nice too. Wow. Yeah. So we just felt, in fact, we were in a group together. Maybe you were there. We were at a, a group of pastors that we call the Merge, and and uh, and somebody said, let's just pray for the weather. I mean, we were just yeah. praying for, Lord, please, because uh, so many of, of our Easter services are weather-dependent and outside and just wanted that freedom to yeah. gather the people. And we, we, we just, we had it. I mean, the sun was coming up over warming people's shoulders in the yeah. grass, and it just was... Uh, such a good feeling to celebrate resurrection this year. Yeah, that's awesome. It's awesome to hear just what God's doing throughout the the city. And I'd love to hear just a little bit more about your personal background. You know, where did you grow up and, and how did you come to know the Lord and a bit about your family? Thanks, Eric. Yeah, yeah. it's my first time with you on, on Crosswalk. And so... Thanks a lot. I, I was born in Germany, a military family, and um, and then um, we moved here to Fort Carson when I was for my dad's uh, position when I was four years old. So okay. I grew up here. I went all the way through preschool and elementary school, all the way through high school, graduated Cheyenne. I think you can claim native status. I think so too, don't you? Yeah, I do. I, I think four-year-old counts. Like you're going to get some write-ins, some call-ins <laughs> yeah. later. Like, no. That doesn't count. But uh, but. I I don't really claim native status very actively because I left for a long time. After college, I was away for 25 years, but um, came back to Pastor First Pres seven years ago. But um, grew up here in town. We grew up going to um, what you might say one of the more uh, progressive 
mainline churches in town. Okay. And um, and my relationship with the Lord began through Young Life. I was invited mm. to um, Young Life when I was in the seventh grade. It's called it Wildlife for okay, uh, yeah. middle schoolers or um, junior hires. And, um, and I can remember being in the backyard of my friend's house and watching the sun kind of waning over the mountains and there was somebody up there that I had never met and I could not name right now if you ask me but was open up the Bible and started speaking from from Mark chapter 4 and mm. um, I just I just can remember those things about mm. it wow and uh, and I just felt the sense of God's love and God's spirit went to camp gave my life to Christ at Oak Bridge and um, felt the love of God's presence and grace mm. in my life and so Young Life's been a big deal for me. I, yeah. And so to be back here at this church uh, where uh, Young Life was really fa- – I actually grew up in near Star Ranch, which was the okay. original Young Life ranch was Star Ranch. And to be back here in a place where Young Life was birthed has been quite a, an awesome part of, of how God has mapped out my story. Wow, that's really cool. Yeah, that, that's awesome. How about uh, your wife and your kids and how long you've been married? How many kids do you have? Uh, yeah, we're we've been married since 1996, and um, we're gonna celebrate our 25th uh, this summer. So that's great. Add that up, right? Yeah, that's wrong. That math doesn't add up. But yeah, I was thinking. I don't know. Thinking, I'm gonna I trust know. you here, Tim. Yeah, right. <laughs> we're both Bible preachers. We're not math guys. Yeah. But, um That's because 2021 was our 25th, and during COVID, we mm. just could not really feel like we could go celebrate. So yeah, I'm actually headed on sabbatical this summer. The okay. church has uh, granted me good. Uh, 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 extended leave to refresh and and uh, reset and and uh, so we're going to go you know travel together and s- celebrate our twenty fifth on our twenty seventh wedding anniversary. <laughs> but Abigail and I met at college. We went met at Northwestern University up in Chicago, and she's from Pennsylvania. And she came to Christ while we were friends um, at Northwestern. Okay, and uh, so she came to Christ as a college student her senior year. Yeah, and um, and then we just sort of. Kept in touch, kept going in our relationship, and and uh, we married in 1996. I have four kids That's uh, awesome. that range from age 25 down to age 13. That's so. great. What a blessing. That's cool. It is. It is. It's a blessing. Well, I'm glad that uh, you'll be able to get away this summer. I think sabbaticals are really important for a pastor. We have a culture of sabbaticals as well, and it can, it can be hard to rest and step away, uh, mm-hmm. but the perspective uh, that you get after that rest, so... I commend you and First Pres for for having that culture. Well, and if I've got some First Pres listeners out there who just learned that I'm going on sabbatical, <laughs> <laughs> they're like, "What?" They're like, "What?" That's okay because there's a it, the the video is coming out uh, this weekend to explain to the congregation. But Eric, I mean, you guys would know this, um, but it is so important, and I've never done mm. it. I've mm. I've been ordained since 1999. I've been in ministry now for 25 years. Yeah. And I've never taken that extended time away, but um, uh, the the pastor's job is a really difficult job. And what I'm explaining and with uh, to the church about this is, listen, it benefits the church because uh, the church gets to understand that this mission isn't about one person and it isn't yeah. about one pastor. Like they really get that time to say, this is about us following Christ and as a body of believers following Christ into the mission that He's given us and. And uh, we get to live into that without the lead pastor there. And same for the staff. I mean, they get to stretch and they get to try different gifts. But but honestly, uh, it is a big benefit to the pastors. And I know people that 
you know, they work, 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 and you say, I'm going on sabbatical, and like, what? I, my job doesn't give me, you know, right, what right. are you talking about? No, you know, uh, no work with pay? What are you talking about? And, um, but listen, the, the average CEO lasts in their position less than five years. The average, average lead pastor lasts in their position less than six. It's mm. usually four to six. Mm. And, and, you know, statistics will tell you that churches reach their healthiest and most innovative, uh, strongest growth season when they've had a leader that they can trust into that 10 to 15-year range. Mm. And uh, my church, uh, we'll get into that probably, but, you know, my church is has been around 150 years. I'm the 15th pastor. Okay. But they had some long pastorates, 34 yeah. years, 37 years. Yeah. I'm not going to be able to make it that long, <laughs> but I want to uh, I want to run the long race. Yeah. And, to, and so it benefits the, the mission of the church to have these sorts of yeah. um, biblically, you know, intentional biblical uh, breaks. We pace ours at that seven-year mark yeah, and as, too. as yeah. outlined in Scripture and— just say this is a time to let the soil rest, let your heart rest, let the pastor rest, let the church take on the mission in a different way. So I've never done it before. So yeah. if you've got tips, <laughs> I think you, it will be a real blessing for the church, and I think that you'll find the church to be really supportive. Like I, I did my first sabbatical about five years ago, and we implemented sabbaticals for the first time at RMC, and I was nervous how the church would respond, and overwhelmingly. Uh, the church was supportive, and I, I think it was healthy for the church and healthy for me and my family, and mm. and I, I think it'll be a blessing all around. And um, in our culture, it seems like it can easily get centered on one pastor, and it's the body yes. of Christ, and each member is is gifted. And First Press is blessed with a lot of amazing pastors, and so is Rocky Mountain Calvary, yeah. and, and so it it is healthy to see it be a body thing not just an individual so Mm. well thanks for listening we got Tim McConnell with me from First Pres we're going to head to a break and we'll be right back this is Crosswalk Colorado Springs on 100.7 The Word welcome back to Crosswalk Colorado Springs this is Pastor Eric Cartier from Rocky Mountain Calvary I have Tim McConnell with me Senior Pastor of First Prez, and thanks so much for joining me and joining this conversation uh, today, Tim. And I'd love to hear more just about the rich history of uh, First Prez, and I believe it's been in existence for 150 years, which is is amazing. And uh, so share with us the history of First Prez. It's amazing. It's humbling to be a part of. And again, thanks for having me on your show. I just, uh, I hope that people are encouraged, and thanks for keeping these conversations going. So far, Eric and I have been saying... um, if you've got a pastor, drop some love on your pastor. Because yeah. uh, being a pastor can be yeah, a challenge, true. and it's the yeah. week after Easter. But, um, but yeah, we celebrated Easter this weekend at a church that has celebrated Easter 151 wow. times and um, in the city. we This is one of the churches that the founders of the city of Colorado Springs, they had a vision for creating a way of life here, and, and they knew at the beginning that uh, the religious life, the spiritual life. Um, I don't know if you've read much on the history of the city, but I really haven't. It was sort of like Colorado Springs was. <laughs> uh, they called it Little London when they founded okay. it because they were trying to be a little more. Old, old Colorado City was sort of the rough frontiers land, and okay. the saloons and the you know what you imagine of the old west. So yeah. this is 1871, 
And they and they said, well, it's really beautiful over here. What if we started mapping out a city over here? And we really tried to create um, uh, a sort of a society that uh, was a little bit uh, different from the Wild West. Yeah. And so churches was part of their original intent, and they land-granted mm. uh, seven or eight churches and said, if if you guys can get a church going, you've got the space. Mm. And so there was a missionary um, in our uh, Presbyterian church uh, who was going up and down the Rockies planting churches. He mm. planted 130 churches wow. in his uh, lifetime. And um, his name is Sheldon Jackson. And then um, we were one of those churches. And, and mm. then he uh, he got a guy from Chicago named Henry Gage to start the church. So that was 150 years ago. And um, and so now we stand still proclaiming the gospel, lifting up mm. Jesus in the heart of downtown Colorado Springs. And and it's uh, it's humbling to be part of that. It's a it's a privilege. It's also you know I'm the fifteenth pastor. Um, so in the in the realm of ministry, it doesn't feel like um, being part of something that really is obviously kind of like a flashbang operation. It, yeah, it really is more like faithfully building that hundred and fiftieth ring around the tree. Yeah, <laughs> but the glory glory to God that it has not gone. Um, dead or gone into the right. museum stage, you know, yeah, that 150th awesome. ring around the trunk, and there's still a lot of fruit to talk about for the glory of God. So, Yeah, that's awesome, Tim. Being in, in downtown, how do you guys reach out to uh, the downtown community? I know mm. it's one of the things that we're starting to wrestle with more at Rocky mm. Mountain Calvary. We're at Austin Bluffs and Academy, yeah, sure, and there's a, a lot more homeless Yes. Uh, this last five years than than in the past, and and it can be difficult ministry. And I know you guys have really planted yourself in in that downtown community. And from the beginning, like I say, the church was there, so it was in the DNA. We we've always reflected that uh, when the Spirit moved to plant this church, this was the intent: was to be uh, a living gospel presence in the heart of the city. And um, we actually went through a season as a church before I was here. When uh, the elders really gathered up and prayed and for discernment, do we need to leave the downtown? I mean, hmm. as cities of this size, we're all going through moments where the downtown was really following apart and collapsing yeah. at the center. And and uh, and they went through a season of saying, is it time to just dump out of here and yeah. go out to where the families are in the suburbs? And, yeah. And, plan- and they felt a strong call from the Lord that your place is here in the heart of the city and – and we live by that. I mean, so uh, we live and die by that. I mean, it's 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 kind of hard. We've right. got when we do family ministry in our setting, we've got kids coming from a dozen or so different schools, and, yeah. And uh, everyone is driving twenty minutes to be there, and those are challenges. Yeah. Those are those are tough things to do. But um, we share that block with City Hall, right next to Acacia Park, and we're um, we have uh, homeless guests, and I have not had. Uh, not I'm just not talking just worship services. I don't think I have held an event with the doors open at the church where there was not at least one of the homeless of downtown Colorado mm. Springs coming in. And uh, so we've got a great team that uh, loves on them and also uh, guards the, the family rules, the table rules of, of coming yeah. into um, a place where uh, the object is not to disrupt or to upset, but the object is to worship together and to grow together as Christians. And and so sometimes we come to those moments of saying, 
um, yeah, you need to step out this time, come back next time. And, um, and that can be hard, but that's part of a loving mission too. Yeah. So we're, we're, you know, we're just deeply invested in those things. It's, we feel like the Lord planted this church to be a support to the city. Our mission statement is light and life for the city. So we're, we're constantly talking about how Christ has, has put us here to, uh, to be a representative of his love, just how Jesus is for us when we have at times been against him. We want the city to know that this body of believers is for you. We're at, we're for you. Uh, and we love you and we want what's best for you. And that gives us a platform and an opportunity to share the gospel. Mm, that's really awesome. That's, that's really cool. I know worship's really important to you and, if I'm getting it right, First Pres has two worship styles, uh, but share with me just your heart for worship and then how that plays out practically with, with offering two different worship styles. Yeah, uh, I am a big advocate for worship, and I, hmm. I think that we sometimes forget how important that is, even as pastors, as leaders of the church, that worship is the central activity of the church, um, that the Spirit gathers the church to give glory to God. and. Hmm. And um, and that transforms us. Um, as I often say, when God is glorified, lives are transformed, and when lives are transformed, God is glorified. Mm, love that. And um, we can overlook worship. I know uh, Nikki Gumbel has said, uh, the world will understand your work, but they won't understand your worship. Mm. They just don't understand uh, what's really going on in there. And um, so we, we major in worship, absolutely, and... Um, uh, we worship and we've got four services going every Sunday. Two of them are, are contemporary praise. Two of them are more traditional choir. Do you teach driven. all four of those every I weekend? Do. Okay. I do. You got to be tired Sunday afternoon. I am tired. I, I love when golf is on on Sunday <laughs> yeah, afternoon, just... when the Masters was on on Sunday. <laughs> and uh, I sat down and just um, said, oh, man, I'm going to watch six hours of the Masters. And are all those services Sunday morning, four services Sunday morning, or is one yes. Saturday night? No, uh, they're all Sunday okay. morning. First one is at eight thirty, and the last one's at eleven. So they're all uh, pinched. So I I can't attend any of the services all the way through. Okay. Uh, so it's scheduled so that I can move and teach at all four services. And so are and, the worship uh, styles happening at the same campus, but in different parts of the facility? That's right. We've okay. got two worship facilities. The sanctuary, okay. which the sanctuary that we're using, has been there since nineteen fifty nine. And it's stained glass and uh, organ and that sort of like you would like you would feel. Um, and we get you know that's a when someone walks in there, I say that they've they've they have come in to see what Christians do. There's sort of a social contract to walking into a space that 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 is that marked yeah. with Christian symbols and um, you know. And our worship center uh, is more along the lines of. Um, we want to uh, reach you where you are if you're not interested in going into that space that's surrounded by uh, tra- traditional Christian symbols and is going to speak to you a lot about your own church memories. Um, maybe you have a new kind of way to seek the Lord. And, mm. and uh, so we have a, a worship center that's dedicated to that service uh, that's a praise band driven. Um, but I'll tell you on either side we we I've had people leave our our contemporary side and say wow that's the most liturgical service I've ever been to <laughs> because and it's not that it is liturgical but um 
there's a pattern of movement because we believe that an hour of worship shapes the soul after the likeness of Christ. And so we yeah. walk people through a, a narrative arc of worship. And yeah. both sides of the house, we're doing that same sort of thing. I'd like to, to hear more. Stay sure. with us. We're going to head to a break on 100.7, The Word. Crosswalk, Colorado Springs on 100.7, The Word. Welcome back to Crosswalk, Colorado Springs. This is Pastor Eric Cartier. Just want to remind you, this does turn into a podcast. If you search Crosswalk, Colorado Springs, I have Tim McConnell with me, the lead pastor of First Prez. Where we left off is uh, your heart for worship and then being intentional of walking the congregational through a process in, in, in worship. Could you explain that to us a, a little bit more? Oh, yeah. Sure, sure. And if I can recommend a book, um, there's a book by James K.A. Smith called You Are What You Love. That mm. I think he is one of the um, sharpest thinkers of our day, and uh, any pastor would really benefit, but any believer, any Christian would really benefit from thinking about what is shaping um, the habits of my heart that produce my loves and even if I could say, or even produce some addictions, hmm. that um, we're we're in liturgies everywhere we go. Yeah. There are things that set off a habit loop in our mind, and um, and those habit loops actually shape what we're not just what we're used to, but what we admire and love and want to become more like. And and so worship is a way of setting ourselves into a habit loop, into a a rhythm that patterns our heart after Christ. And every time we worship, we're shaped a little bit. I mean, I think I don't think people know that. I think they come into worship and they think, am I getting enough out of this? Um, did it hit me? Did something um, chisel away at me? Did something hit me square between the eyes? Um, I don't think God was there because I didn't cry. Um, actually, right. every time we come into the body of Christ and we are called into worship, we um, accept prayers and we pray ourselves – we sing to open and soften up our hearts. Uh, we receive the Word of God uh, into our heart, and then we reflect on that as the the pastor says something, you know, um, as best they can to be faithful to that Word. And then we come to sacraments or um, uh, other ways of, of feeding on really the presence of God, and um, and we commit ourselves through giving. And then we're sent out on that benediction. And of course, for us too, mm-hmm. Eric, some churches um, pivoted away from this, but we also take a time at the beginning when we first feel the presence of God, we want to take a distinct time to say, I know in the presence of the Lord that there are sins that I need to confess and things that I want to be, f- I just want to know, Lord, that we're, that that you've forgiven me, that I know your grace again. Yeah. So we have confession and one side of our house, we actually do that in a spoken prayer. And on the other side of the house, we do that in the rhythm of our contemporary praise set and our praise leaders will do that for us. And, but that's the rhythm that we call the narrative arc of worship that every time you give an hour, you're being shaped a little bit. And even though you're not getting chiseled, like, um, like, you know, um, uh, like a statue, you're not getting, feeling that hammer chisel. It's more of a growth. It's an organic Mm -hmm. growth and you, and you don't always see it happening, but in the regularity of entering into that habit of praise and that habit of worship, uh, we are formed after the likeness of Christ, and over time you see that, oh, I've matured, I'm a little bit different. I think it's easy for us as believers to just see worship, the, the time of singing, 
as the warm up to the message. There you go. You know, some pastors even might unfortunately have that view, but I really like how you stated, you know, that our hearts are changed when we glorify the Lord and we may not always see it, but when we offer up that sacrifice of praise, confession, you know, that, that benediction at the end, I'm curious, do you find, uh, young people, millennials gravitating towards your traditional service? Like, do you find some young people, uh, you know, finding some comfort or being drawn to, uh, some tradition? Well, I'll tell you, our worship leader on that side of the house, our traditional choir-driven side of the house, is a 31-year-old. Okay. Uh, Jamal Sarakoki, and mm. he's so he's an example of that, and we do see a lot of that. Yeah. Um, Eric, I think um, I think that uh, there's a hunger in a, a rising generation um, uh, not to feel spoon-fed. Like, when I was coming up, Part of young life was really, I want to make you feel special, and, and I want to make this, I want to pave the road for you. And, and in a way, you could call that sort of being spoon-fed. And I appreciated it because I felt really valued and loved by it. Um, but I think there is a, a little bit of a cynicism and um, that if you're, if you're trying to give me something, I kind of doubt it, um, that has driven a younger generation to want to, to go and touch uh, some of the cold bedrock stones down at the bottom of the river of faith and and that they actually respond to prayers that have been handed down by tradition and saying, wow, I, I wouldn't say it that way and I'm not sure I understand everything <laughs> that, that's being said, yeah. but I know that this is a prayer that Christians have offered through the ages or this is a pattern that Christians have offered through the ages and that feels like it connects me to something a little bit bigger than my own contemporary context. And so we have seen that. I'm going to be honest. It's not a like a floods and floods revival, but I, but I have seen that. And I do think that that's important for us to pay attention to as pastors. I'm noticing that too, where it, it seemed like maybe the baby boomer generation, like loved rock and roll, right? And right. electric guitars came into church and God used that and, you know, right. That's cool, you know, but now it seems like this this younger generation, this generation underneath us is they don't have a lot of tradition in their life. Like maybe they broke up and they grew up in a broken family. They're, the, and so they want some tradition. Like right. more young people coming to RMC are actually coming Sunday morning at 9 and they're dressing nice huh. and is they're right? acting more traditional and they don't come on Saturday night where 15, 20 years ago, young people were like, I want to come Saturday night to a really loud worship experience. Yeah, yeah. And I'm not so sure that that's what God's using in this younger generation. They want it ownership. They want it to be authentic. They're, they're open to tradition. So are you, it, and so are you finding some tools there in your leadership of, of that church to, to meet some of that need or, or, um, I think we're still trying to discover that and look yeah. and, and figure out what that looks like and, you know, no matter what kind of your tradition is as a church, you get stuck there. Yes. So RMC has their tradition as well and our style of worship that we're used to doing. And so it's hard for us to flex sometimes when God's wanting us to to flex. You yeah. Know? It, and something that, you know, comes as fresh, even though it's come from the ages, comes as fresh you know, right. in, in a minute, it can go yeah. stale and dry and mm. rote. And um, so, you know, 
Um, one of the distinctions that's important, as you would know, is just that that there's an idolatry of traditionalism. I mean, it can very easily, mm-hmm. and my church can very easily get into that pattern of of it has to be this way. It's the way it's always been done, and and um, and that's actually a, an unhealthy thing for a church. But to but tradition is receiving the voices of the past. I mean, traditionalism is being bound right. to the patterns of the past, but tradition is joyfully receiving the voices of the past. And and if you can receive something from the past and offer it uh, up as a genuine, living, dynamic act of worship in our time, yeah. then I think that is a real gift. And, yeah. and it is a uh, sometimes an overlooked storehouse of goods that the Lord has for us as church leaders. Uh, if we can, you know, if we know how to, again, bring it forward in a way that isn't dead or right. rote or habitual, but yeah. is actually a, a living expression of worship. That's really neat that First Pres has been able to walk that balance of having a contemporary service and a traditional while holding to a guidance that's similar to both. Like it's right. intentional of what uh, people are being walked through as they're coming to worship the Lord. And it seems like a lot of churches can't pull that off. So it's neat that yeah. the Lord has done that at yeah. First Pres. And yeah. so the Worship Wars chapter um, – Never really took off at first pres. Thank God. Mm. I mean, there's always just been a generosity of that's awesome of seeing it, seeing two different modes, yeah, and walking in parity with one another and encouraging one another. And there's no competitiveness or nastiness in between. It's uh, and it, we're one church on one mission, and right. and worshiping in two different styles. But like I say, like the whole church went through Lent and yeah. Ash Wednesday and into Good Friday and Easter and. All together, so yeah. there's a togetherness even with two different styles. That's awesome. Listening to Crosswalk Colorado Springs with Tim McConnell from First Pres. We'll be right back. Stay with us. Crosswalk Colorado Springs on 100.7. The Word. Welcome back to Crosswalk Colorado Springs. Thanks for joining me. I hope that you're enjoying this beautiful day in Southern Colorado. It's a local uh, program. Tim McConnell is with me from First Prez. Uh, if you're interested in learning more about First Prez, you can go to firstprezcos.org, firstprezcos.org. You know, Tim, in this last 10 minutes that we have together, let's just talk about our, our city. Mm-hmm. I know First Prez is really passionate about Cuz I Love You, and maybe some listeners don't know about Cuz I Love You. Yeah. And uh, could you share about uh, that effort in our city? Well, Because uh, I Love You has uh, been going now for, um, boy, about five or six years. And and uh, First Pres was uh, part of, of really trying to put this together. There was, there was an effort at, uh, at First Pres uh, that we just really wanted to partner with just a couple of churches to get people, uh, as you say, from the seats to the streets. I mean, to, to have sort of a serve day to say we love you to our city and – and then uh, with a great combination of work with Discovery Church and and um, and uh, uh, Red Rock Church at the time and uh, some other churches, we created a larger partnership. But anyway, I mean, I just how do we keep the momentum going? Our city has been moving in, I think, a very healthy direction where there used to be a great animosity between believers and non-believers and a real lack of trust. Um, I think we've created spaces and and bridges and and uh, opportunities to work together for the good of the city that we've just got to to keep um, 
trying to participate in and keep the ball rolling forward and and cause I love you is a great effort and um, uh, first pres every time we're doing something with cause I love you it, there's a benefit um, we we enjoy it we love it uh, whether it's going out on uh, serve days like there's a serve day for cause I love you at the end of the month April 28th um, there's a backpack bash in the summer big fall serve day the city serve day and um, I, I just uh, encourage you all the Christian listeners to to find ways to partner First of all, stay dedicated to your local church 100%, but find ways to partner with the body of Christ in this city because the city needs to know that the body of Christ loves them. Mm -hmm. One thing I think that's unique, too, that Because I Love You provides and City Serve is there's so much division in our culture, and God says that believers united in biblical unity is a display of of Christ. And that's that's how the world will know— we're followers of Christ, know who Christ is, is by our, our unity. And yes. so to see churches come together from, from different local churches to join together as the Big C Church yes. is a great testimony to those that don't know the Lord in our city. You know, it, From the very beginning of the church, right, it, there's this supernatural unity that confused everybody and, yeah. and immediately bore witness to the, the power of the living and risen Jesus Christ. The, yeah. The Spirit of God could bring people together in such a way, and and it still happens today. You know, when when we're out there serving uh, together, and there's multiple churches, and nobody taking credit, and no strings attached, just an opportunity to get down on our knees and love and serve our city. Um, it it resonates. I mean, it resonates mm-hmm. like a gong that there's something that has entered the world that is more powerful than the regular state of affairs. And I've had people come and say, you mean you guys are not in competition with one another? Mm. It's like, why would we be in competition with one another? Right. Well, we're in competition with um, the lostness and the darkness and the spiritual darkness that people have fallen into. We're in competition with the evil one. We're in competition with dark forces that are trying to pull people's uh, lives apart and tear marriages apart and tear a city apart and cause violence and hatred to erupt. And that's what we're in competition with. So when we run side by side as churches with our various gifts, uh, it, there's an immediate, I think, just an immediate manifestation of the presence of Jesus Christ. And and I've I've seen it before. And, and I think as we keep moving forward as, a, as churches in our city, uh, I encourage uh, every believer to value that and to lean into that as much as you can. So if you're interested in serving, you can go to causeiloveyou.com and right on their homepage is signing up uh, for April 28th and 29th. It's it's going out into the city, uh, doing projects, meeting uh, practical needs to demonstrate the love of Jesus. And it's a really neat, neat outreach to, to be able to do uh, together. So what do you see are some of just the challenges that's facing Colorado Springs or some of the, the tension points, you know, from... Mm-hmm. From your perspective and, you know, having grown up here, been away for 25 years, now back for seven, that's a big chunk of time, you know, right? W- what are the hardships or challenges for our, our city that you're seeing? Well, yeah, there's, there's different um, segments of our, of our city um, in a, in a very uh, realistic sort of logistical sense. Um, the life expectancy is different in the different quadrants of our city. The hmm. life expectancy is almost 12 years shorter in the southeast quadrant of our oh, city. I didn't realize that. Wow. And um, uh, as opposed to the northwest quadrant of our city. 
And so when you come to those sorts of terms um, uh, of just recognizing, hey, what does the body of Christ think about that? If we're living together in a city, and if I'm living in this part of the city, I can reasonably, reasonably expect to live 12 years longer than someone who's living in this other part of our city. Maybe there's something that Christ would put on our heart as the body of Christ, as, the, as, a, as all the churches together, uh, that would be an opportunity to say, we want to do one or two things to try to address that um, in the name of Jesus, that in the name of Jesus who loves life, who who loves and serves us when we turn our backs on him, who gave himself for us, mm. uh, in the name of Jesus, we want to uh, do one or two material things. And so there's so many things to get involved in, um, uh, you know, to to help our city, to help people to flourish. And uh, I do think Cause I Love is a great place to start, but just leaning into where your church is ready to step out in the love of Christ and say to Colorado Springs, uh, we love you. We yeah. love you because God loves us. Yeah. I think it's easy for us as believers to think that those that don't know Jesus aren't interested, you know, right. but I, I think that's a lie from the enemy and and people are more interested than we might think, especially if we have genuine love for them that God gives and we're willing to be a part of their life and meet a need that this city is full of, of folks that God is doing a work in their life and wants to use the, the body of Christ. And it could be through something organized, like, cause I love you or through your church, or it could be as simple as getting to know your neighbors and meeting needs and being willing to invest in their life and have that faith that God may be drawing them to, to, to Christ. But Amen. I know that I even wrestle with that. It's it's easier for me to proclaim the gospel from the pulpit where uh, it's a one-way conversation, you know, but then to risk relationship with a family member or a friend. But I think it's a ripe time for the gospel. I mean, oh, there's yeah. there's so much confusion and we, we all have that brokenness of the depravity of our sin and we know God's hearts to seek and save uh, the lost. And Absolutely. so... I just love to encourage believers, like, reach out. God is moving. He is working in this this city. It's not a reached city. You know, that's a mm-hmm. that's a misnomer. I think everyone that lives here knows there's there's a lot of spiritual need that that's here. So, um, oh yeah, we're still statistically um, less than one out of five households are in church in a given Sunday mm-hmm. morning. I mean, uh, there's lots of Christian ministries here, but it is not a reached city and. And I'd say the same thing, Eric, just from a pastoral perspective, having led a church through COVID, I thought I thought revival was coming on the back of COVID. I mean, mm-hmm. imagine a, a season where everybody on on earth is at the same time aware of their mortality. Yeah. And you think this is going to prompt some serious questions. And, yeah. And, and I actually think even though it didn't happen right on the back of COVID, um, I guess there was a Barna study out just just today or this week that was – talking about a rising spiritual thirst and seeking among uh, Americans. And, hmm. and I see that. I yeah. see that. And, and my, my prayer and my encouragement for you, for your church, for the pastors of the city, for the believers of the city is that willingness to have Jesus on your lips. You know, what's hmm. the last time you spoke the name Jesus outside of church or Bible study or Christian context? Yeah. And um, I just encourage you to, be sharing the love of Jesus with the city. Yeah, it's great. Well, Tim, thanks so much for coming in and making time. It was a joy to have you. Fun to be on here. Thanks a lot for having me. Thanks for listening, guys. Have a great night. I can't count the times I've called your name.
three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.